0: The following is a Thunderbolt West Media Production. And so we're in the middle of a crisis, and you run out of everything. Now what do you do? You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as surviving in these troubled times, creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I do my best to be a resource as you prepare to protect your family. In this show, I also talk about a wide variety of topics, everything from government corruption to chemtrails. I also feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving, so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studio, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations. WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, on 7490. WTWW, Lebanon, Tennessee, on 5085. And on WRMI, Radio Miami International, Okeechobee, Florida, on 5850. And this show airs on 89.3 FM, Key Radio in Osage Beach, Missouri. This show is also available on demand as a podcast on Podpoint, Red Circle, Spreaker, Podbean, and Podomatic. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith, and I invite you to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I really appreciate it. Well, today's episode is going to be all about what if. And I'm going to be talking about running out of things that we think we have plenty of backup. We think that we're well stocked. We think that we've really done well in prepping. But let's say that we had no clue that things were going to get this bad or last this long what do you do well that's where I'm taking this show is I want to answer some of those questions now I want to be right up front and say that I really do feel that we are going to be in one heck of a bad situation very soon I do want to qualify that by pointing out that I've thought so for about a year and a half and so far I haven't seen the big event happen, not yet, but it's getting closer. Step by step, inch by inch, day by day, things just keep eroding, and it's to the point now where we have countries such as Greece and Iran and all sorts of countries near the Middle East or in the Middle East are dusting off their weapons and their getting their troops sent out, and they're positioning tanks everywhere. and All it's going to take is one idiot to do something stupid. And if you don't think this leader, this little dictator in North Korea, don't you suppose he wants to go down in history books as the man that started World War III? Well, I think he would love that. I think he's insane. I also think that this puppet... In Ukraine, that keeps begging for money. The little man in green, I think he's insane also. Then you throw in our Congress and our President and all of his cabinet. They're either senile or evil or both. All it's going to take is one idiot to do something very stupid. And then another idiot is going to do something even more stupid. While we, the people of the world, Sit back in horror and watch everything get destroyed. And so the spirit in which I bring this show is not of defeat and not of fear, but ultimate preparedness. So what happens if you have food stocked for, let's say, a year? Let's say a year goes by and all we've seen is death and destruction. We've been without electricity for months. We've been without any ability to buy any supplies for months. And all of a sudden, our stocks that we've been able to save from the marauders is empty. Now what do you do? Or, if you stockpiled a bunch of hygiene products, and you run out of toothpaste and toilet paper and vitamins and aspirin and Now what are you going to do? Let's say that your house has no electricity and it hasn't had for months and winter's coming on. What do you do? What if your water doesn't work? Let's say the power grid is off and you're on municipal water supply and the tank is empty and they don't have any way to refill their tank. Now what do you do? I think we need to start asking these questions right now, and I think we need to come up with some answers, because I think that the situation in the world, once it goes, it's going to be just a massive explosion, because people are just rabid. They're war-hungry. These leaders in all these countries, all they can think about is going to war. I've never seen anything like it, and then you see the civil unrest that's happening in almost everywhere across the planet. Protesters in the streets that are cheering a bunch of murder of innocent people. We have an awful lot of people that are out for blood. And people like me that are producers, I have livestock, I am asking myself, okay, everyone runs out of food, and they know you have cows. Now what? Are you going to protect your herd, or are you going to let your herd get slaughtered and just carried away? There's lots of questions people have to ask, and if you have a small flock of chickens and everybody around you knows you have chickens because they hear the cackling and they hear the roosters and they may see you go out and feed and water your chickens, you might even let your chickens run around a little bit so they see them, and they're hungry. They run out of food. What about your chickens? What are you going to do there? We need to start asking ourselves these questions now and come up with comprehensive plans and try to keep them as together as possible, but I'm realistic enough to know that the minute things go kinetic almost everybody's plan has to be flexible enough to change because If it's not flexible enough to change, your plan will fail. And so that's the first part that your plan has to be is flexible, very flexible. Because I don't know what's going to hit. You don't know what's going to hit. Nobody knows exactly how hard we're going to get hit or how often or how long it's going to last. But these idiots and these governments have weapons of mass destruction that could put us into a nuclear winter. For several years let's say you do have animals let's say you have livestock and we have a nuclear winter what are you gonna do we have all the vegetation die uh, because of the nuclear winter all the trees die the grass dies the weeds everything dies what do we do I know that I sound like I'm really spreading doom and gloom in this show but I think we need to look at reality as it really is, and the real world that we're presented with is, we have incompetent, evil leadership all across this world, and we have people that want to depopulate the planet, of course, them and their friends, they're supposed to survive because they're important, you know, even though they're not important at all, they sure think so, and they're going to make sure that they're around, but you and me? Nah. Cannon fodder. And so we have, I think, very evil demonic people that are insane. There's an awful lot of insanity happening right in front of our face. And let's say that you're sane and rational and you're a good person, you have a nice family, you've done your best to do what you're supposed to do as far as play by the rules. You've tried to save back some money. You've tried to live your life as balanced as possible. Now all of a sudden, you're without electricity, you're without food, you can't feed your family, you have no job. It does seem like things are going to change really fast when they change. And so that's the first thing you have to prepare for is rapid, lightning-fast changes. Changes that are so broad and sweeping and so profound that maybe the plan you have at 10 o'clock in the morning will have to be scrapped by noon with an entire different plan just to survive that day. I think things are going to get really ugly really fast. matter of fact, they are real ugly. Have you been watching any videos? Have you been paying attention to what's happening? As far as I'm concerned, we have people in cultures worldwide that are burning bridges making sure that nobody wants to negotiate with them. Now you have Israel that wants to wipe a whole bunch of people off the planet in retaliation for what's been going on over in that part of the world. and They're telling their soldiers that there will be no tribunals, there will be no rules of engagement. They're just to kill and destroy. And I think that's very interesting, coming from the Jewish homeland, that the only reason that Israel exists as a country is because of the atrocities that were committed against them in World War II. And now it seems that they're telling their soldiers to pass the misery on. And of course, you have a lot of people in the Islamic world that they want to have jihad. They want you dead. They want me dead. We're infidels, and we are to be killed as far as they're concerned. And so our inept leadership has stirred up the world, and it doesn't seem possible that all of these strikes against Israel could have taken place without the knowledge of the intelligence services of the Middle East, Just all the countries, you know, Israel and It seems to me that I've read a story that Egypt tried to warn Israel that something big was about to happen, but where was all the intelligence that there was this many rockets that could be fired in one salvo towards Israel? Where was the CIA? Where was our military intelligence? Where was Britain's military intelligence? Where were the French? Where were the Germans? It's an awful lot of people that have eyes and ears on that part of the world and either they knew about it and did nothing because they wanted a bunch of civilians to die and so they could start a war, which in this day and age is very possible. Or maybe there's some people on the inside that helped hide all of the intentions of all the evil that was going to happen to Israel. But it happened and you had innocent people gunned down and kidnapped and brutalized, held hostage. And these people are just normal people just trying to live their life. They weren't harming anyone. But that's the new world we live in. The world of Islamic extremists, a world of of out-of-control NATO countries and Western countries. We have dictators in the Eastern Bloc that are insane. We have people in our government that are insane. Just look at Lindsey Graham. Listen to the man for five minutes. And then you tell me whether you'd let him watch your kids or not. I wouldn't let him feed my chickens. I don't trust any of these people in Washington. I don't trust any of the people in Warsaw or Berlin or London or nowhere. I just don't trust these people. They're all marching to the tune of the New World Order and That's not good, but I'm going to get back on my theme and make you at least contemplate having the situation in the world so bad that the United States military is totally wiped out or made ineffective. And if you say, oh, that could never happen, well, I'm here to say, yes, it can. I've used in the past several times that the Scottish, when they fought against the Redcoats, always had a very well-equipped, real battle-hardened army that was ready to fight. But the only trouble was, was their technology was from the last war, where the English were cutting edge. And so the Scottish would go to battle, ready to fight the war that was fought maybe a generation earlier. And the English showed up to fight a modern war. And I'm going to tell you right now, that the United States is is gearing up to fight World War II. Plain and simple. We're sending tanks out and we're sending warships out. Honestly, what chance does an aircraft carrier have against hypersonic missiles that can travel so fast that We have nothing that can intercept those missiles. You'd say, well, the ship has anti-missile batteries on it. Yeah, they do, but not against these kind of missiles. And what happens if Iran puts up thousands of drones, all dedicated to sinking one ship? You don't think that's possible? Well, I do. I think that we are putting our trophies out, our big weapons of war that we rely on. And I think that they're going to end up in the bottom of the sea, and I think our tanks are going to be end up on the scrap heap as just burned-out hulks. It seems that Iran has been building an army of the future as far as drones and all that kind of capability. And it seems like Russia has been taking a whole lot of time in trying to defeat Ukraine because they're running the West out of ammunition. And the Kremlin knows they have weapons that the West cannot stop. And I think it's called a Kinzhal missile. I think that's the correct way to pronounce it. There are missiles that can go so fast that there's no way that we can intercept them. Now, you might say, yeah, well, we have some missiles too. Yes, we do. I'm sure we have some nasty things that the Russians or the Iranians or the Chinese, I imagine we have things that they can't stop either. But just the sheer numbers of what Russia has, and then when you add China, and then that little dictator in North Korea has been filling his toy box with toys. And we have countries right on our own border, such as Mexico, that are applying to join BRICS. The handwriting's on the wall. The United States is going to get backed into a corner, and we are going to start fighting World War II, and we are going to be annihilated by modern weapons that we have no defense for. That's what I see coming. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but where does that leave you and me? It leaves us almost defenseless, unless we act now. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's enough nuclear weapons in this world to kill all of us many times over. And it depends on where you live. You might say, well, I live in North Dakota. Nothing's going to happen there. Uh, Guess again. North Dakota is probably one of the worst places you can be right now. All of the missile silos and military installations up there, it's of course going to be attacked same way with new york city and washington dc i would imagine that the new york stock exchange is a target for a nuke and everything that happens in chicago as far as livestock trade i would imagine that's targeted i know that i live just 4 miles away from the world's largest rail switchyard which around here we call it the hump yard because They put the railroad cars up on a man-made hill and they just use the momentum of the car going down to a series of tracks that have switches and they can break a train up and send all these individual cars many different directions and build new trains. It's huge. It's the world's largest. And if they nuke that, well, of course, there will be very little railroad traffic in the entirety of North America. And so I live in a targeted area. I have family members that live near air bases or oil refineries or different pipelines and so forth. And so it's hard to get away from this. So you can't just spend your life in fear and wonder when the bomb's going to fall on your head. You can't do that. But you're going to have to be prepared enough to know that the damage that this country is going to sustain if this goes full-blown kinetic, which I hope it doesn't, but if it does, and the United States starts getting defeated, I have a feeling that every country that has felt bullied by the United States, and that's the vast majority of countries, are going to turn on the United States. I think we have people that call themselves friends and allies right now, and I'm going to name a name, it's Turkey, I think that Turkey would turn on us in a heartbeat. And a lot of the countries we've helped in Africa, same way. South America, same way. Asia, same way. We probably even have governments in Europe that will blame the United States for pushing NATO as hard as they did when Europe gets destroyed. And if things don't change, if we don't have peace break out, if we don't have someone sane and rational come in and take charge of this mess, then there's a good possibility that Europe is going to be totally dismembered city by city by conventional nukes and tactical nukes. And I think that we've been blustering, and I think Russia's been planning and practicing. And I think that all that we're seeing in the Middle East as far as the violence in and around Israel. I think that's all part of the Ukraine conflict. I think it's all related. I think China and Russia and North Korea, along with probably more allies than what we realize, they'll probably show their true colors if war is ever declared. But what's going to happen is that we're going to be shocked at how hard we're going to get hit and who is going to be doing the hitting. I think it's going to get real ugly real fast. So let's say you have six months' supply of toilet paper. What are you going to do when that's gone? Just your day-to-day living. Let's say you have to take pain relievers or prescription meds. What are you going to do when they run out? You need to make a list of everything that you are prepping, everything that you're setting aside, hopefully hiding in a good place or better yet, break it up and hide it in several places, so if if your stash is found, you won't lose it all. And the way I have done it is I don't stash in one place. I have several different places, and each place has one month's worth of supplies. So I've broken up bottles of aspirin, and if I have, let's say, canned vegetables, I have the same amount of canned vegetables in each stash, and that way if I can get to one of them, then I have a month's worth of food right there. But it's not good food. It's not anything that you would really want to have. It's just things to keep you alive, beans and rice and other dry things like that that you can store, along with some canned vegetables and canned meat. You can store away some tuna or some potted meat or spam or something like that. And it'll keep you alive. You're going to have to get real creative trying to prepare it to where you can stomach it after a while. But what happens when that runs out? And I'm going to give you some answers. Some of the answers are going to be hard to do. Other answers are going to be impossible for you to do depending on your location. Some of my ideas are going to hit right close to home, and you're going to go, yes, that's just what I needed to hear. So, a few people are going to get very well served with my information in this show, and others, it's not going to do you much good just due to your location. But I mentioned toilet paper. Let's start there. What are you going to do? Let's say you've hoarded a year's supply of toilet paper, and a year comes and goes and you've stretched it to a year and a half and we're now on month 20 and you're out of toilet paper. What do you do? There are alternatives you can use but I don't think that you're going to have a lot of newspapers around and things like that. I really don't think unless you are saving old newspapers because first of all, newsprint is on its way out and second of all, if we have an EMP attack and it knocks our infrastructure out, they're not going to be printing newspapers anymore. And so I think the two best alternatives, and both of them are not pleasant, but I think you need to at least mentally prepare, is use native foliage. And the best thing to use is mullen. Some people pronounce it mullein. And for generations, people have nicknamed that cowboy toilet paper. And actually, it probably works better than toilet paper. And it's if you have that in your area, just make sure you know where it's growing. And if you don't have that in your area, well, you're going to have to put your mind back when they used to have cloth diapers and had to launder the diapers. And then I'll let you use your imagination from there. But it's not going to be pretty. But you're going to have to prepare yourself, at least mentally. All of these what ifs. What if you run out of water? What are you going to do? Well, fortunately, water can be reclaimed. and It can be made drinkable. And you can also capture water in the form of dew and condensation. If you're close to a river, lake, or stream, there are ways to get water. But... If we have nuclear fallout, you don't want to be drinking water that's exposed. You see the issues we have here? They're big. They are very big. And if you have a chance to, if you can, drive a sand point, if your water table is high enough, and if you don't live in a place where you hit rock almost instantly, if you can drive a sand point down to water, you still might have to treat it. It might have some things that have leached through groundwater into that because it's a shallow well. But you can deal with that, and it won't be tainted with radiation. And so that would be your first what if. You would, What if you could drive a sand point? Now, if you have the money and it's legal as far as your zoning and your code and everything for your community... If you have the money, and it's illegal to do this, you might want to have a commercial well driller come in and sink a real well, a functional well. Of course, you'd have to have a way to pump the water out without electricity. So you'd have to have the ability to use a hand pump or a submersible pump of some sort. But I have a feeling a hand pump is the only thing that you're going to be able to truly rely on. But other than that, what do you do if you think the clouds are contaminated and you think the ponds are contaminated and the rivers and lakes and streams and everywhere you look, even the mud puddles you think have radiation in them, so there's no way that you're going to drink that, which I agree. Well, an alternative is to store a whole bunch of water. And when you are talking storing water, it's heavy, it's got a lot of bulk to it. It can ruin foundations and floors of older houses. If you put too much weight for too long, you can warp a floor. Water that doesn't have any chemical treatment in it, that's just bottled by yourself, just out of your tap, can become contaminated. And so saving water back is a good idea to have as much as you can, but it might be a better idea to save water in open containers and just keep them topped off. And When I mean open containers, I mean you put a lid on it, but I'm not talking about a jar or anything. I'm talking about a like a livestock tank or something that has a tarp over it. And you wouldn't drink that water, but you could use it for hygiene and washing dishes and washing clothes and things like that. I would call it utility water. You need to have some of that stored back. But you need to have the ability to catch water off your gutter as far as rainwater. And again, if we have a nuclear war, I don't think you're going to want to be drinking anything that falls out of the sky. I think that we're going to have some real issues there. And so again, that sand point would be, in my estimation, your cheapest and best way to go about this. Another thing that you can do if you have property, and again, you have to stay within the codes and regulations of your community, but if you can put in a cistern, that might be something that you would want to do. Now, back in the day, everybody used to build their own cisterns, and every old house, every old farm property had a cistern, and I remember as a kid, I would go and crawl in some of these old cisterns because they quit using them. When electricity came in and everyone drilled wells, they didn't need cisterns anymore. But what they did with these cisterns is they would go ahead and basically build what a cistern is. is basically a concrete bottle. Sometimes it's a 100 gallons, sometimes it's 500 or 3,000 gallons, however big they built it. It would be kind of like a grain silo under the ground, and it would be right next to a windmill. And the windmill would pump water into the cistern. And just the natural gravity would have the water go downhill. And then you either had an overflow, and that's where you got your water, or if your cistern was underground at the bottom of a hill, you would have a hand pump and you would pump the water out of the cistern. And I know of people that have had cisterns clear up as recently as 20 years ago, that their well went bad, so they just had city water come in and fill their cistern. But the inside of a cistern always has moss and all sorts of algae and things growing down there. The water doesn't really taste bad, and it's really not bad for you, but I would treat it if you put in a cistern. I'd make sure that you keep all that growth from happening in the first place. But that might be an option if you can't drive a sand point, and you're really worried about this, and if you feel like I do, that we are facing a clear and present danger, well, a cistern might be something you want to do. You can protect that from radiation. You can make sure you have enough concrete over the top of it that it's safe. And if you build a cistern, make sure that it can hold enough water to last for at least a year, and then you're going to have to ration water from day one. That's going to be the big part of this is everyone's going to have to start rationing on day one because you don't know how long this is going to last. So you might say, well, I got six months worth of rice and beans. Good for you. I'm glad you do. But that six months better be stretched out to eight months or maybe a year. Maybe you weigh about 50 pounds too much and maybe it's time to lose a little weight. I'm serious about this. We need to ration and I'm not saying put ourselves on a starvation diet, but we're going to really have to watch what we eat and how much we eat, because what if you run out of food? Well, what are you going to do then? Well, I just talked about some ways you can stretch your food, but what are you going to do? Well, growing up as a kid, I was friends with lots of old men that raised children through the Great Depression. And they were like grandfathers to me, because I never had a grandfather. They were Both of them died before I was born. And so I like these old men. Most of them were old World War One vets. And I had several of them tell me that how they got through the Great Depression raising kids is that they went out to the weed patches and pulled lamb's quarter, and they went out and snared rabbits. They didn't have enough money for ammunition for a gun, so... They would build snares and go out and look for rabbit dens, and they would snare rabbits. And they'd bring a rabbit home and skin it and feed their family, and they'd eat lamb's quarter, and that would be their meal. And I've had quite a few old men tell me similar stories of meals that could not have been too pleasant to eat, but it kept everybody alive and kept them going. But they knew what to do, because where they lived, there were no food kitchens or bread lines. You always read about the bread lines in the Great Depression. Well, that was in the cities. Out in the farming country, a lot of farmers did without. Maybe they grew wheat and corn, and so they ate a lot of wheat and corn, but maybe they didn't eat much anything else. But that's something that we need to consider, is the fact that it depends where we live as to how much we can store and how much we need to. And This is going to get complex, this whole situation is extremely complex. And I really don't want to scare anyone. That's not my intentions. But I have to wake enough people up on this episode to where you really can capture the gravity of the situation. We're not going to wake up in the morning and everything's going to be normal. Our new normal started when they stole the presidency. Our new normal started when they started eroding our rights of, sp- of free speech and of assembly. When they started closing down the churches, when they told all of the small-town businesses they had to close, but yet people that owned the big box stores and the big online shopping enterprises such as Amazon became wealthier than they possibly could have imagined. And it was done through decree by illegitimate people. And so we really need to understand that when things get out of hand, not only is our government not going to have any control, we don't have any control right now, but think of how helpless we're going to be if everything hits the fan and all of our quote unquote leadership is AWOL. Let's say they found a bunker and they bugged out to their bunker and they're going to plan their new world that they want to have after everything's done while Us cannon fodder people are fighting it out and trying to survive up on the surface. I don't think that sounds too far-fetched. I think that's kind of what they have in mind. And so what we have to do is we have to really put our brain in gear and ask ourselves some very unpleasant questions. And we have to come up with an answer. Just to say, oh, I don't know. Well, that might get you dead real quick. Our new normal hasn't hit yet. Our new normal we have now is chaos and indecision and corruption and just a whole bunch of evil. But the new normal that's about to be sprung upon us can be summed up in one word, and that's death. And again, I'm not trying to scare you, but I see it. I feel it. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that... A year from now, people can say, oh, remember that Jim guy on the radio? Yeah, he's a kook. Nothing would please me more than to be wrong with the feelings I have. I would be the happiest guy in the world to be lampooned for that guy that's wrong. I would love that. But unfortunately, I'm not going to count on that ever happening, at least not with the feelings I have on this war going nuclear. I think that there are too many people that are now seriously considering pushing the button. Whereas just a generation ago, it was unthinkable. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, they're thinking about it. And you and me, we still think it's unthinkable. And so there's something in the back of our head that says, Oh, yeah, well, we'll be all right. Someone's going to come in and straighten it all out. They're not going to let it get that bad. Well, I'm here to tell you, they've already let it get that bad. The only thing that's keeping this from not happening is that no one's done anything real stupid yet. But I would say that what these animals did to these innocent civilians in Israel, I think, I think that was a pretty stupid move, and it changed an awful lot of military statuses around the world to where some of them were standing down and just watching, and now they're openly mobilizing. And so all it's going to take is one or two idiots to get things really kicked off here. And also, my footprint is larger because the show is now on WTWW. And I want to thank all the listeners that are listening to this show right now on WTWW, which is out of Tennessee. I really appreciate you listening. And, of course, the frequency is 5085. As of now, my shows are sandwiched in between episodes of Truth to Ponder, which is Bob Beerman's show, and I really would appreciate you listening to Truth to Ponder as well. And, of course, I do Wednesdays, so on Wednesdays you get triple of me. You get three hours of me every Wednesday on WTWW. And I don't want to just keep throwing just problem after problem at UBID. If you thought that Black Lives Matter and Antifa, if you thought those riots were bad, just wait until we run out of food everywhere. You're going to have a lot of chaos. And what's going to happen is that people that want to make a lot of money, which there is always that element, they're going to go to your local food bank and they're going to steal all the food at gunpoint. And they're going to have a food cartel right in your hometown. And of course, this free food that you thought you were going to get now is going to cost you dearly because this food bank is now out of business. And what little food they had is now in the hands of the food cartel. And so when this does hit, it's going to hit everything, everywhere. Not trying to scare you, but I have to wake you up. Wake up, people. This thing is getting bad really fast. We're in trouble, folks. We're in really big trouble. We have an ex-president that's being openly prosecuted and persecuted for nothing. And you might say, yeah, there was an insurrection January 6th. If you thought that was ugly, if you thought that was an insurrection, well, wait till you see what's going to hit your local community when they run out of food, but what I'm trying to get at is that if you think that you've seen chaos before, what you're going to look out of your window and see is going to make everything else you've ever seen look like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Things are going to get ugly. What happens if you run out of meat? What are you going to do for protein? Well, I'm going to start answering these because I keep coming up with questions and I haven't been given enough answers. If you can keep chickens, do so. Eggs are protein. Beans are protein. They may not be as high quality as beef or pork or chicken, but if you have the ability to keep any livestock at all, do so. If you don't have any ability or you don't want to stock anything as far as, you don't want to raise anything as far as chickens and livestock, Spend the vast majority of your money, your prepping money, on protein. It's pretty easy to get fillers. I would say spend it on protein, beans, and rice. Those would be the three things that I would really stock up on. You might say, well, what about your fruits and vegetables? Well, I'm very big on foraging, and that's what I would do, is I would forage for all of that. But what happens if it's winter? Well, you're out of luck if you can't find anything at that point, except if you live in an area where they harvest hay. Now, this is an extreme type of a thing, but I'm talking about extreme times here where things can get really ugly really fast. What can you do if you don't have any fruit or vegetables and all you have is a few beans and rice? And you want to vary your diet a little bit and get some plant enzymes and you want to get some of the nutrients from plants, but yet you don't have any. Well, almost every area in the United States has dairies and different cow herds or milking goats or similar type of an operation. And all these animals use hay. If you can find some clean hay... Make sure you rinse it off really good. But you would simply make tea out of the hay. It's called hay tea. And you might be rolling your eyes saying, Oh God, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, the vitamin A and vitamin C and D and the zinc and everything that's within these plants will not be part of your diet if you're grossed out by thinking of drinking some hay tea. But if you would take that and make let's say a gallon of hay tea and of course you have to rinse it out good because hay has dust on it and so you would rinse it good then you would boil it and strain it and will it taste good not necessarily will it have nutrients in it definitely and so if you run out of fresh fruits and vegetables Try to find a haystack or a bale of hay. Just make sure that it's not moldy. Make sure that it's as fresh as possible. You don't want to be making hay tea out of two-year-old hay. You just don't want to do that. Because you don't want to drink mold spores. But things are going to get really, really complicated. If you're a picky eater and you say, Well, I won't do that. Well, just prepare to lose a lot of weight. But... Just for instance, on this hay tea, back before you had commercial milk replacer and people would have a mama cow that would die and they had a baby calf, you had two options, kill the calf and butcher it and have veal, which I would say the vast majority of people did that. Or you could try to raise the calf on hay tea instead of milk. And so I raised a calf on hay tea just to make sure it would work. And the calf was a little stunted. It did not have the growth. It didn't have the big frame because it didn't get enough of the mother's milk and the calcium and just the bone-building nutrients. It didn't get enough for this animal to be, what I would say, just really prosperous and a top-of-the-line animal. But it did survive, and it did grow up to be productive. It just was smaller and had finer bones. But it did grow up and mature, and it lived as long as the other cattle. And so, yes, there's enough nutrients in hay tea that you can raise a baby calf with it. You might say, well, I'm not a calf. Well, I get that, but I hope you get what I'm trying to say, is that there are nutrients in almost everything that God has created. A few weeks back, I was talking about inner tree bark and the nutrition you'll find there, and cattails, and Other things I really don't want to get into, but the world is full of different vitamins and minerals and plant enzymes and things that you need from the plant world. What I'm trying to stress is is that protein is going to be king. And so if you have $100, put $80 into protein and $20 into filler and try to keep that same ratio. And what happens if you run out of food and you have pets? Are you going to eat the pets? things get bad enough, you might have to. Now, with my rescue animals, there's no way I could do that. And I know you could call me crazy, but, and you might say that I would change my mind out of hunger, but I really don't think there's anything in the world that would give me the strength to actually harm my animals. I just don't think it's in me. I would rather harm myself any day than harm one of my animals especially in that's kind of a permanent way where you're actually doing your animal in. I just, I don't think I could do that. And so what am I going to do if I am running out of food and I don't have any dog food and I have hungry dogs? Well, I'm already encouraging my dogs to hunt. And I like to have rabbits and different small animals on the property. I don't like to see them get hunted. but. I think that my dogs need to learn how to do that. And so while I'm not encouraging that, I'm not stopping them, which in the past I would always yell at the dogs if they got on the scent of something. I would change their mind about chasing anything. But one of my dogs caught a big cottontail yesterday, and it was a fresh kill. I could tell that because I went to see what the dog caught, and the dog was just in the process of finishing off this cottontail as far as making sure it was dead and my first thought was to go scold the dog and and I thought no that might be the only thing this dog is going to have if enough stupid people do enough stupid things and so in my case I'm going to encourage my dogs and cats to use their natural instinct And also, I know how to make homemade dog food with rice and corn. And most of the cheaper dog food is corn based anyway. And if you save your drippings, if you have some lard, if you cook some rice or make some cornmeal mush and put some lard in it, it will not give them all the nutrients they need, but it'll keep them alive. It'll keep them fed. And I would say that if you can go to a farmer's co-op, a grain elevator. If you really think things are going to get bad, I would buy 40 bushels of wheat or 40 bushels of corn. It'll cost you a little bit, but it won't be that bad. And then you'd bag it up. And if you have a feed store that bags feed, if they sell corn, cracked corn or wheat, just buy it in 50 or 100 pound bags. Make sure you keep the Weevils out and all the insects, make sure you keep it in airtight containers. But you can feed an awful lot of people with 40 bushels of wheat, 40 bushels of corn. Of course, it's going to take the room in your garage or your attic or your basement, or you might even have to rent a storage facility for it. But if you're really worried about starvation due to stupidity of mankind, well, there are ways to do that with a limited amount of money. And so I'd say beans, rice, wheat, corn, but I would still put most of my money into protein. And if I had $20, I would buy a chicken or two that's producing any day over buying a couple dozen eggs. If you can keep that hand or group of hands producing, well, then you're going to have a protein source. And getting back to the pets, if you have pets and you run out of pet food, and all you have is rice and cornmeal, and if you can break an egg into that, if you don't have any lard, that will do well as a replacement for the lard. But if you have lard and you have an egg, then you have the basis of a fairly decent animal food that dogs and cats will eat. It'll have some protein. It'll have some fat. And it'll have everything that the corn, rice, or wheat will give as far as the nutrients there. And so you're going to have to play the what-if game. What if you run out of aspirin? Let's say that you have chronic pain. What are you going to do? Willow trees, cottonwood trees. Locate them in your area or poplar trees. But cottonwoods are better than poplar, but they're out of the same group but if you have a weeping willow in your neighborhood or you have some willows along a creek bank or along a hillside, the young bark that's still more greenish and also the leaves, even if you pull the leaves off and dry them, you make a tea out of it and you drink that and that will do you wonders as a pain reliever. Let's say you run out of vitamins. What are you going to do? Rose hips, curl dock, apple leaves, grape leaves. There are multitudes of plant leaves and plant bark that you can make teas out of and get all the vitamins E and A and C and everything that you need is right there inside that plant. And also, something you can do if you have a bunch of lambs quartered like I do and it's all gone to seed, go ahead and get a five-gallon bucket full of lamb's quarter seed. Make sure you dry it so it doesn't mold or spoil. So dry it out really well in a room you don't use, like a guest room, and then store it in small, I would say pint size or smaller, different kinds of jars. And if it was me, I would not put a tight-fitting lid on. I would make sure I had it nice and dry. And you might even put one of those silicone packs in there to keep it from getting damp and if you do that you can put a lid on it but just put it in a place where it won't spoil where it won't get moldy and then you can sprout these seeds all year long and put them as part of your diet so you take a couple spoonfuls and you wet the seeds down and maybe you put them in a paper towel or something and keep it damp and wait for four or five days or a week and then You have these sprouts that are an inch or two long. and They're very nutritious. And it's something that you could use for your diet. So if you have any weeds where you live, and the weeds have gone to seed, well, there is a food source for the rest of the whole year if you handle the seeds right and don't let them spoil. And what if you run out of electricity? Well, either do like your great, Great grandparents and just live your life without electricity because that's what they did. Or generate your own through solar or wind charger or hydro. You might use electricity for one hour a week or maybe if you're lucky, one or two hours a day. And what about my food in my freezer? What happens if we lose power and I have a freezer full of food? Well, that's when you get busy. You start drying your food. Let's say you have a freezer full of meat. It's time to make jerky. Well, I don't have any power. My electric is out, and I don't have any way to run any jerky maker or an oven. Well, do it the old way. Do it with fire. Do it like mankind has made jerky for centuries. You might say, well, I don't know how to do that. My answer is very simple to you. Learn. Ask these questions right now of what if. And any answer you cannot come up with, anything that stumps you, redouble your efforts and research and find ways to solve the problem that you cannot solve. Learn how to make pemmican. Learn how to make hardtack. Learn how to can your own fruits and vegetables and go to farmer's markets, and if they're all closed this time of year, go to wholesale houses and buy in bulk, buy a crate load of... Different types of fruits and vegetables, and go ahead and can them. I haven't gone into a lot of detail on many things that you're going to run out of if we have a prolonged, horrible catastrophe that's man made, such as nuclear weapons, but I think I've given you enough ideas you kind of understand what I'm trying to say. You have to prepare mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, physically. Get prepared. And start asking yourselves those very hard questions. All these questions have to be answered by you because everyone's situation is different. You have to ask these questions now and come up with answers. And it can get so ugly that we can't even comprehend mankind doing these kind of things to their fellow man. But I think we're going to see it. I hope things don't get... Anywhere near as bad as what I think they're going to get. But start asking these hard questions and start answering them. It's time that we got more than serious about survival. And I want to ask each and every one of you if you would please consider donating to this program to keep it on the air. I take checks, money orders, and cash. You'd write the out to Thunderbolt West Media. You would mail to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska. the zip code is 69143. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Until next time, everyone, please get prepared. Stay in prayer. If you're not tough already, toughen up. And most important of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with The Living Off Grid. Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.